So today, as we all know, and we've been um, uh, uh, travelling through the service, um, is Remembrance Sunday. And on Remembrance Sunday, we are giving thanks and remembering all those who fought and died uh, on our behalf, uh, so that we can live free lives. Uh, Do you know, I just feel very inadequate saying that, uh, because it's something we just take for granted, isn't it? Uh, To have free lives and to not live in fear and to have the choices that we do. Um, And yet that's not a reality. And these people, uh, over the years, have fought and died so that we can live free lives. And we're also today finishing our recent preaching series, our short sermon series on Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And it feels like a very appropriate reading for this Sunday Uh, as we look in this passage at the very, very real issue of spiritual warfare. As I said, this is a rightly famous passage, and it's all about putting on the armour of God. And it's this armour that I'm going to focus on uh, during our next few minutes. This is a quite extraordinary letter, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And I know I've been encouraging you over the weeks to spend a little bit of time, not very long, it doesn't take too long to read it, uh, to read the whole letter of Ephesians. And I do hope that you have done that. Uh, just spent a few minutes with the Word of God, reading through it all together, getting out your Bibles and reading it in one go. Paul began at the beginning of his letter by unfolding the vast breadth of God's purposes for us all, for his world, for a new community. His huge, breathtaking purposes to create a diverse, equal, united, single and fully redeemed human race. A completely new community here on earth through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. A new community with the whole church being utterly united, the church being Christ's people on earth, utterly united under the headship of Jesus Christ himself. The old days of division and oppression would be gone, to be replaced by a new, equal and loving body, one body, one spirit, one saviour, one father of us all. I chose Ephesians for this very reason, because as we think and pray over time about our own responses to God's purposes in this church community at St Matthew's, and as we think and pray about our own roles and discern where God might be calling us into service, it is right that we do so with the foundation of Holy Scripture as our inspiration. Scripture, God's word, comes first. And God's blessing and purposes for his new community on earth are clearly set out in Ephesians. And it is God's vision, God's plans and purposes that we seek to join in with, not the other way around. We are pilgrims on a spiritual journey. Paul called us in this letter to be imitators of Jesus Christ. 
to show others, to show the world how this new and distinctive community could live. With us revealing and serving and sharing the love of God out into our communities and out into the world. Rejoicing in and celebrating our unity and our maturity and faith and our harmony. It is an utterly beautiful and completely whole destination. So in a way, the passage today comes as a little bit of a shock. A little bit of a, well, a rather big one, actually. A big jolt back down to earth. And we're reminded by Paul that realities are often tougher than the ideal that we are aiming for. But before we look at this a little bit more, remember again that God already has the victory. He has the victory over death and darkness and sin once and for all and for all time. He has the victory over all the powers of darkness, sin and death through the death and resurrection from death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And he will come again in glory at the end of all time when he will judge the earth and all things will be made new and perfect and whole and healed. But while we are still in that time of, as is sometimes expressed, the now and not yet, the now being the time of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God has come. We know that Jesus Christ has risen. We are living in the age of Jesus Christ. But the not yet of awaiting that final time when he comes in glory and makes all things healed and whole and new again. But while we're still in that time of now and not yet, we have work to do for the Lord and for sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with as many people as we can. And make no mistake, there will be and there is opposition. Remember, Paul writes this letter to the Ephesians from prison. And he will have been looking at Roman soldiers guarding him around him. So he would have had quite a lot of time to study their armour, seeing them dressed in their uniforms. He had plenty of time to think about this metaphor, if you like, of what we are to do spiritually, referring to the armour of soldiers for human battle. He would have had a lot of time sitting looking at these soldiers Understanding about what that armour would mean in a spiritual battle, a spiritual battle that is raging around us now and then, and will continue to do so, with the forces of evil doing all they can to disrupt and destroy all that is good and whole of God, and that wonderful promise of God's whole and new creation. We preachers often like to find helpful three points in our sermons, and, and often they are three Ps. Why is it always three Ps? I didn't realise P was such a useful word, a letter in the alphabet. I started off, I was speaking to Gabriel in the week, and I said, I've got my three Ps. Actually, I've changed them. I've not got three Ps, I've got three Ws. But they are three anyway. So we're going to have three Ws over the next few minutes. Firstly, why do we wear the armour? Secondly, where do we wear this armour? And thirdly, what do we do whilst we are wearing the armour? So firstly, why do we wear the armour of God? Verses 11 to 12. 
Some of you will know this uh, verse from uh, um, Peter, Peter's first uh, letter in chapter 5, where Peter says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your fellow believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. As we think about and reflect, especially today, but you know, every day, about the battles and wars of humanity, both now and over the ages. And as we think about the selfish ambition, not only of those who perpetrate horrifying wars, but we also think about our own selfish ambition, day by day, as we sometimes gossip, neglect, put our own ways and ambitions before others, as we think about all those things, we are strongly reminded by Paul that we are in the middle of this spiritual battle. And Paul introduces us quite directly to the devil and to certain principalities and powers. I don't have time to go into all the detail of that, but friends, please know that we are fighting Satan and principalities and powers. I've sometimes had conversations with folk whereby uh, they say, yes, we can believe in the person of Jesus and we can believe that all that he represents is good and whole. But a devil? No, it's some sort of ethereal stuff out there. The word of God through these people names the fact that we are fighting a battle against someone who does not want God's plans to succeed. It is here in Holy Scripture. There is the utter goodness of God, the God who in Jesus already has the victory. There is also Satan and all the powers of darkness, and they will do all they can to stop God's plan, to stop you and me, that whisper or that drip of poison, that whisper into our ears day by day of envy, of greed, or about your lack of self-worth. You're not worth it. You're not as important as someone else. Or fear. Do any of you travel with fear today? I'm sure there are people here who travel with fear and worry about fear. It might well be fear about how you're going to pay a bill tomorrow. It could well be fear for your health and well-being or for those of others. The power of something like fear is insidiously destructive. Or doubt. The whisper of doubt. Is God really real? Did he really have the victory when I'm overwhelmed by all this stuff and blackness? And Satan wants us to feel hopeless, not hopeful. We each live this on a smaller scale day by day, but we see, of course, the horrifying accumulation and consequences of it all on a national and global scale. How powerful can it be in its destruction? As John Stott, the theologian, says, beneath the surface, beneath surface appearances, an unseen spiritual battle is raging. So why do we put on the whole armour of God? We put it on so that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. Deborah and I have just had a week in Dorset a couple of weeks ago, and it was during one of the mega storms, it was a storm or something or other, I don't know what the name of it was, but we were feeling it in our little way here, weren't we, in the UK. But on the coast of Dorset, which I understand apparently is quite well buffeted by weather, one day we could hardly stand up. We went down to the, with the dogs to, 
to the port of Bridport, I think it was, and we were on the beach, and we were just lashed by this, this wind and all the sand. It was hard to stand. It was so hard to stand firm. If we'd not moved, we probably would have been blown over. We put on the armour of God so that we can stand firm against the wiles of the devil. Again, another little reflection and anecdote. Uh, have you ever seen a beekeeper work? Have any of you seen beekeepers at work? At my last uh, parish, after a wedding once, we all trooped out after that wedding, all ready for the photographs, the sunshine was, was beautiful, everyone was dressed in their finery, only to discover this huge swarm of bees and this incredible noise around one of the memorials, just to the right-hand side of the path outside the door where everyone comes out for the photographs. Panic. We actually were able to call a beekeeper, thankfully, who came very quickly to remove it with remarkable skill. But the first thing he did, of course, was to put on all the necessary protective gear to protect himself from the attacks of the bees and their stings. And of course we do that, don't we? So too with the spiritual battle that we are in for God's good against evil. Our own good, uh, on our own, we are exposed and vulnerable. But with the armour of God put on, we can stand firm. With the divine armour of God, remember this is forged and burnished by God in heaven, we can be protected. And this is why we put on the whole armour of God. So where do we put this armour on? A soldier going into battle knows that they need every single bit of protection that they can get. And uh, I'm sure some of you have looked at many times at, at uh, armour in museums. Uh, I never forget seeing the most enormous suit of armour for Henry VIII somewhere in London. Absolutely vast, covering his whole body, this armour, but it was absolutely huge. Whether it's looking at things like that, or whether it's trying to understand the protections of modern warfare. The endeavour of, of armour is always to have as much protection as possible, isn't it? So where do we put the heavenly armour of God? And this is a bit of a rush through, so please go and read it and dwell with it and sit with it. Firstly, remember Paul says that we must take up the whole armour of God, the complete package. The Greek word Paul uses here is panoplia, which literally means the full armour of a heavy-armed soldier. Spiritually, we are to put on the full armour of a heavy-armed soldier. If we leave part of God's armour off, we're going to be vulnerable in that part of our lives. But if we put on the whole armour, we can stand firm. So God's armour is all-covering. And a rush through these, the summary here that's in the passage. The belt of truth around your waist to resist the lies and the deceit of Satan, speaking God's truth into the world. The breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate which covers our hearts, all about us being made right with God. Righteousness, us being made right with God again through the sacrifice of Jesus for us. The shoes or boots for your feet which proclaim God's peace on, peace on earth giving us a strong and firm foothold from which to fight evil. Giving us also the steadfastness and the strength to keep going, to keep marching, to keep moving in the ways of peace with a godly protection that will never wear out. You don't need to go to the cobblers with God's shoes on. The shield of faith. 
And the shield that Paul was writing about here was that long oblong shield. You know, if you've seen pictures of Roman soldiers, they're round ones or they're long oblong ones. And he was talking about the long oblong shield. And that shield protects the whole body. The shield of faith. Faith in the promises and goodness of God for our lives is what we need to resist those daily darts of guilt, doubt, temptation, which the devil throws in our direction. They will get caught in the shield of God and they will not hit us. And finally, we put on the helmet of salvation. And this is crucial protection for our heads, representing God's saving power for our lives, both now and for all eternity, when Christ returns in glory. If we have professed a belief in Jesus Christ, we know that we are saved by God now, today. And this gives us strength for today and hope for tomorrow, as that hymn says. And finally, says Paul, we take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That's verse 17. We take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Having put on the whole armour of God, we then take up something. And it's not just something which is used for defending ourselves, like the armour. The sword can also be used to attack the lies and deceit of evil. We take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And with the Word of God, we can go out into the world and disarm the lies and the deceit of the devil. God's holy and inspired Word. It is through Holy Scripture that we can proclaim our confidence in the revelation of God and the peace and truth that any he can bring. Woodrow Wilson, an American president many, many years ago, said, when you have read the Bible, you will know that it is the word of God because you will have found it, in it the key to your own heart, your own happiness and your own duty. Why, where and finally, what do we do while we wear this armour? and live uh, with God's protection of his grace and his love. Well, this passage ends with telling us to pray, pray, and pray again. Pray in the Spirit at all times. Persevere in supplication for others. Supplication is all about requesting and petition to God. And the, the wonderful divine relationship that we have with God, the Creator, means that this conversation of prayer, this two-way engagement of us with God through prayer, is part of, of, of the mystery and beauty of that relationship. God wants to hear from us, pray at all times. And Paul then says at the end, pray for me. Yes, as a vicar here, I ask you to pray for me too, Gabby will ask you to pray for her. And please ask others to pray for you. We need each other. And Paul recognised is his own need, and Paul is humble enough to ask for help. Pray that we can be bold and courageous when we are afraid. Pray that we can be faithful when we're feeling vulnerable and weak. 
pray that we can have the strength of the Holy Spirit to stand up every single day for truth, peace and justice in both our daily lives and in the wider world. And Paul says he was thankful to be an ambassador for Jesus, even while he was in chains. He was able to do that because he put on the whole armour of God. However tough his situation was, he was in prison and he was facing death. But he was thankful to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ with joy in his heart because he put on the whole armour of God in his life. And just look at what an amazing impact his and the other early Christians' faithfulness has had upon our world in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of reconciliation and peace with God that is for all people. So today, as we remember and we give thanks for all those who have fought the good fight and literally, like Paul, given their lives so that we can live in freedom and peace. Let's remind ourselves of the breadth of God's vision again. The breadth of God's vision for his new community of faith. The blessings that we receive in and through Jesus Christ. The riches of his grace which he has lavished on us, says Paul. The promises of his kingdom for all people. And let's take up the whole armour of God in our daily lives so that we can stand firm and resist all that might deflect us and God's will be done. I'm going to end by reading the final verses of this letter, verses 23 and 24. Paul says, Peace to the whole community and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who have an undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.